Welcome to week two of our series, Jesus Church. My name is Matt Summers, and I'm the campus pastor for South City, and it is my great pleasure to be sharing our message for today. Last week, we posed the question, what is the church? Matt Stefan walked us through the mystery and the mess of the church, and one of our challenges was to encourage attendance and attentiveness for this series, even going so far as to bring some added decorum with a wardrobe change. I mean, why else would our pastors be wearing blazers in August? Uh, Pre-pandemic, the average person at Menlo attended church 1.7 times a month, so if you're willing to accept the challenge and you missed last week, be sure to listen to the recorded message. You can even speed it up to 2x, which I think you'll find efficient and hilarious. I'm going to begin our time together a bit more traditionally this week by reading a passage of Scripture to you. It comes from a letter authored by Paul the Apostle written to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Today, we're asking, who is the church? Is it the building Is it the people? Is it the values? In order to answer this question, we first need to explore some ideas around belonging and its impact on humanity. And the first idea is this. Humans need belonging. We all desire to be a part of something, to be accepted and included. I don't think this should come as a shock to you. Belonging as a human emotional need is a hardwired instinct, and it has practical benefits. Our ancestors discovered that the acceptance of one another increased survivability and social development. It was better to hunt in a group or huddle together for warmth or raise a family in the safety of a village. Our affinity for affiliation is what distinguishes us. Author David Brooks, in his book, The Social Animal, writes, Humans succeed because they have the ability to develop advanced cultures. Culture is a collection of habits, practices, beliefs, arguments, and tensions that regulates and guides human life. Culture transmits certain practical solutions to everyday problems. How to avoid a poisonous plant. How to form successful family structures. Culture also educates the emotions. It consists of narratives, holidays, symbols, and works of art that contain implicit and often unnoticed messages about how to feel, how to respond, how to divine meaning. An individual human mind couldn't handle the vast variety of fleeting stimuli that are thrust before it. We can function in the world only because we are embedded in the scaffold of culture. 
we absorb ethnic cultures, institutional cultures, regional cultures, which do most of our thinking for us. The human race is not impressive because towering geniuses produce individual masterpieces. The human race is impressive because groups of people create mental scaffolds that guide future thought. Indeed, belonging is more than a primal human need. It is arguably the primary one. And because of the power and place it holds in our existence, it can be incredibly creative or destructive. In a study published in the Psychological Bulletin, empirical evidence suggests that when humans are accepted, welcomed, or included, it leads to those individuals to feel positive emotions such as happiness, elation, calm, and satisfaction. However, when individuals are rejected or excluded, they feel strong negative emotions such as anxiety, jealousy, depression, and grief. In fact, the psychological pain caused by rejection is so intense that it involves the same brain regions activated in the experience of physical pain. Have you ever been in a place where you knew you didn't belong or worse still, were unwelcome? Do you remember what it felt like? Some of our most painful or poignant moments from childhood are almost certainly tied to those experiences. And because of that, we respond in a variety of ways even well into adulthood. I was invited to a friend's birthday party in the third grade, and I was told that it was being held at a great hall because her granddad was a knight of Columbus. I was eight years old. I had no idea knights still existed, and I was profoundly jealous. Why aren't there any knights in my family? And as the date drew closer and closer, I conjured up images of Men in suits of armor, having sword fights and jousting. But on the day of the party, arriving at the Great Hall, I was greatly disappointed. There were no weapons or horses. There was no round table. Instead, I found myself in a wood-paneled basement with formica countertops, a garbage overflowing with empty pizza boxes. Ashtrays were strewn about with cigarettes still smoldering. A bar with a soda gun that only dispensed seltzer, and now, of which I am almost certain, a half-empty bottle of absinthe on the shelf. It was like a frat house, but with the exception of my third-grade classmates, everyone was a grandpa, and they certainly didn't look like knights. People are drawn to groups or causes that make us feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, and this is rooted in our desire for acceptance. When we understand the motivation behind the method, it isn't a wonder at all at why we do what we do. Regardless of our status or our stature, whether you're a part of a country club or a cult, having a place to belong is a core human value. So, now that we understand the need for belonging, how does faith factor into it? And perhaps a more pointed question to ask, what can we learn from an ancient Near Eastern ethnically-based religion about belonging? This brings us to the second idea I'd like us to explore. We belong to God. In the ancient world, 
human acceptance was understood in compatibility with religion. Religion determined the social structures of our society. Essentially, if you believed in the order, you would behave accordingly, and then you could belong. Believe, behave, belong. Pretty simple. And it functioned this way for a long, long time. If you stepped outside the desired structure, you would have to atone for it, usually in the form of a sacrifice. This was the practice. But along comes Jesus, and he begins teaching that we, despite our disposition, already belong to God. In the recorded Gospels, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, and he tells them three stories or parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And the purpose of these three stories is to illustrate how God values us and how we belong to him. Religion is designed to convince us of what to believe. Jesus desires us to confront what we already believe. Jesus rocked the boat of religion because it was the first time humanity heard that God desired passion over practice. With that in mind, let's revisit the first half of this passage again from Romans. Verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace of God given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God's mercy is that, despite our worst intentions, we belong to him. That's the invitation. And when we accept it, we see the concept of sacrifice in a new way. A way of living that is substitution for the pagan practice of death. And if we dig deep enough, we see that God has always desired this. Consider the words of the Old Testament prophets to the people. Amos chapter 5. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Hosea chapter 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Jeremiah chapter 7. For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave to your ancestors forever and ever. And Isaiah chapter 1. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. 
Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. To be a part of a church or a faith community means that, from time to time, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in worship to God or service to one another, which acknowledges our belonging. And our behavior changes from the pattern of this world, which seeks to advantage ourselves for our own sakes, to a transformative renewal of our mind, which pursues the will of God. We don't believe ourselves better. We follow the one who has made things better. And by doing so, we turn the believe, behave, belong method into a place where we belong, which changes how we behave so that we're free to believe. This is what it means to belong to God and in turn brings us to our next idea. We belong to each other. To belong to God means we belong to each other, for better or worse, in richer or poorer, till death do us part. Now, perhaps you've found yourself saying, I'm okay with God, I just can't stand people, to which I would humbly ask, is it possible to bless the Creator but curse the creation? Are we different? Yes. Is that helpful? No. It's hard. Philosopher Peter Rollins once said, we live in a storage space between who we are and who we want to be. If I have a relationship with who you are, I also have a relationship with who you aren't, who you hope to be. The challenge is that sometimes we perceive people simply as they are, not what they're meant to be. We form an identity for them that is incomplete, and we give them that label forever and ever, amen. And at our worst, we think them less significant than us, which is why we're cautioned not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. How can we expect to belong to one another if we cannot accept our differences? Belonging is a journey towards becoming. It means balancing the tension of annoyance and acceptance. It's back to our reading in Romans, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are a people united in our dissimilarities. One body, many members, different functions, a disorganized organism. So now that we know we need to belong and that we belong to God and we belong to each other, I ask again, who is the church? It's us. We don't go to church. We are the church. One body many members, different functions, who belong to God and each other. And as we live into this belonging, we become more of what we're meant to be. And while that sounds very kumbaya, the church has a problem. We can join in the fellowship with believers worldwide, but 
we can't seem to break bread with our neighbors. We can connect with people around the world, but not on our own street. And only the bravest pastors and parishioners have had the courage to ask themselves, if your church closed its doors tomorrow, would the community even notice? The pattern of this world will always creep its way back into the church, a world that desires status and demands exclusivity, a world that tells us who's in and who's out, a world that insists on sacrifice instead of acceptance. If we're not willing to reform those ideas, we will be deformed by them. Last week, I worked with our San Mateo and South City campuses to prep food kits for Rise Against Hunger, and it occurred to me, standing in the lobby, watching my fellow congregants measuring portions, wearing gloves and masks and hairnets, grain particles flying in our eyes, every single person here could find a better way to spend their Saturday. But we showed up as a living sacrifice and I'd like to think it's because, deep down, we know that we're at our best when we belong to one another and to God. Our last reading from today comes from Ephesians chapter 2. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used apostles and prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. To be a Jesus church means having a willingness to include others. People can belong before they believe, to bring a fully human and divine experience. Just as Jesus was fully God and fully man, so we bring those elements together in church, the miraculous and the mortal the beauty and the broken, the mystery and the mess. Whether you are a follower, a friend, or a fan, you're part of the family, fully known, fully loved. So, welcome home.